We've invited Michelle Alvarez, who is currently employed at Instituto Familiar de la Raza as the clinical supervisor. Hey, Michelle, would you give us a reflection on what you just heard in this episode? For me, it's more like what themes really came out in this episode as a worker still in the community and at this point really providing a clinical lens and support to workers that are actually still doing direct work with families and youth. And some of the themes that came up for me in listening to this episode was themes around what are lessons learned for workers and remembering our own self-awareness of how do we engage families? How do we build alliance with families? And how do we keep our work focused on being centered around the family's needs? So um, Mm. providing Mm family-centered work also client-driven services. So that's one big thing that definitely came out in this particular episode for me. And as a clinician that's currently, you know, working in the front lines, you mentioned earlier about sustaining open to utilizing different, what we might call methodologies or interventions or strategies to working with families. How does that uh, sit with you in regards to what were some of the, some of the takeaways from that? As a clinician, of course, you know, I studied in Western schools and in being able to reflect on this, the book work is one part that you learn when you're in college, but the direct work and being in the trenches is something you really, I really learned in that foundation of RAP is how do you do the people work? How do you build that relationship with people? How do you build confianza, trust with youth and families? So that's what really kind of came up for me a little bit as well. Throughout my years, and, and RAP being a foundation of what shaped me to continue doing this work in the community, and that actually, you know, also encouraged me to keep going to school, was by the time I went to school, I kind of knew there was two different worlds. There's the school world, the university, and then what really happens out in the community. In this episode, that part about the theme around how do you stay open? How do you also know how to stand back and assure you don't impose certain thoughts to families is really important. But most of all is the importance of community practices that are Mm -hmm. successful, that are Mm -hmm. evident to be successful Mm -hmm. versus maybe something more institutionalized and more like evidence-based practices. Because community practices are practices that are evident. Um, Maybe there's not research behind it, but there's a qualitative analysis that we know what works in our community if we've been doing it a certain way. How do we adapt those Western concepts and how do we adapt them so it's culturally congruent to the Mm -hmm. population, to the communities we're working with is really important. I think that's what it kind of reminded me of in, in listening to this episode is that the Real Alternatives Program was really a place that shaped me to understand, to be more open, that there are other ways to find healing. There are other ways to intervene, to build relationships with individuals and their families that could still equal not only healing, but prevention, interventions, helping young people change risky behavior to healthy behavior, whether it's coping mechanisms. So there is a way to balance that out. You can take from Western, that how do you adapt it and make it culturally congruent to fit and match best with what the young person in the family needs. 
I think Estella in the episode talked about their many medicines, and that is true in this episode. Just in closing, if you were to give uh, some words of wisdom, words of teachings to up-and-coming workers, what would be some of the um, some words that you might want to let folks know about resilience and self-care? I think it's something I share, especially with whether it's a new clinician, a new grad, or whether it's a fresh green new case manager or mentor is emphasizing the importance of self-care. We talk about many medicines, whether it's the sage, the resin, copal, right? The incense we burn, but many medicines could be meditation. It could be yoga. It could be drumming. It could be dansa. It could be anything that's going to provide a way to expel some of the negative energies and actually make you have more, you know, bring in some positive energy. So when it comes to self-care, you know, I really strongly encourage people to build their own routines and to stay to the routines. It's usually when you stop doing your routines, whether it's going to the gym or practicing gratitude on a daily basis, that's when we know there's more burnout because I've, and I won't, and I'll reframe. I I don't think I've sacrificed my life. I think I've been committed and devoted Mm -hmm. to community work because I'm passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I have to make sure I practice self-care so I could not become burnt out with the work. Meaning I get to a cynical place where I'm just complaining about the work and I don't see the hopefulness. So that self-care is super important because it keeps hopefulness alive, but it also gives us a vision of, you know, there's something better as well. And we want, and when we have good workers and they get burned out, it's a big loss to the community. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of elders that don't know how to stop and practice Mm -hmm. self-care and we've lost some really great people to the work um, because it's too much. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you for your words and for your wisdom and so and for your insight. Gracias.